Welcome to episode number nine of It Takes Two to Tango, conversation that moves us. This is Martina. And I'm Nat. And together we are two life coaches on a mission to make the world a better dance floor. In this series, we invite you to a metaphorical dance. It's a conversation about how to partner with life in a more meaningful way. And we will translate some of the concepts that we have learned both from Argentine tango and ballroom dancing so that you can take them off the dance floor and experience the kind of bliss that we experience in partner dancing. So you can take that in your life and in your leadership. So Martina, shall we dance? I would be delighted. Oh, wonderful. So our topic today is dancing with the various aspects of the holidays. So Martina, why don't you take the lead here? Yeah, thank you. So, you know, holidays can be a mixed bag for many people, right? There are things that we look forward to, and there are usually also some things that we miss, some things that we wish were better, different, more, uh, and some things that we don't like. And... Um, that might even become bigger this year with the pandemic, where we probably have a whole big bag of things that we wish were different, better or more. And so one story that brings that to light for me is, you know, number one, I grew up in Germany, so we had our own traditions, right? I actually talked to my mom today on how there used to always be the competition between my dad and my grandma on who had the prettier tree. And we used to have these... Um, Icicle strands, you know, little aluminum hairs they looked like. They were about this long. And my dad prided himself on putting them single between all the needles. So it took all day just to place these little icicles. And at the end of the Christmas season, we would wrap them all up in newspaper and reuse them again next year. And so, obviously, my mom lives in Germany, so I rarely ever get to see her for Christmas. And uh, last year, a friend of mine invited me into her family. And so I traveled to her and we, you know, had Christmas at her house and we joined her daughter and the grandkids and had a sleepover and we went caroling and we went to church, her church and all these things. And, you know, I love being part of that, but I also was the spectator, right? So while I love being with her, I, you know, was reminded of my own traditions and I missed them. And there may have been some sadness or sad moments, like, you know, I wish this was different. And then there were also moments where we got so busy preparing and, you know, shopping and standing in these long lines that formed before the holidays. And we didn't really have the all the friendship time that that I had longed for of just sitting and watching a movie or talking a little bit deeper of what's going on. You know, we talk over peeling the potatoes or wrapping the gifts. And, um, and so, you know, the reason I'm, I'm telling this is because I, I didn't know what to do with some of these emotions. You know, how do you share that? You know, how do you actually talk about that? I'm really happy to be here. I'm enjoying every single second. And I'm also sad for some of the things that I miss. And I think that's why things can get really tricky, right? Because it shows that, yes, it's normal that we have mixed emotions. We're complex creatures as human beings, 
right? We can feel different things all at once. Feelings, sensations in our body and thoughts, they all form this specific, I don't know, cocktail, right? With its own strands of flavor. And how do we convey that so that we're both authentic, but are also respectful of the other person's experience? Because in regards to my friend, I didn't feel comfortable telling her about, you know, my dark side of the holidays, of the things that, you know, because I feared that that might interfere with her own experience. So was I being authentic? Was I not being authentic? Yeah, uh, it's, it is um, something to really think about. Was was your friend that you spent time with uh, last time, was that in Germany or was it here? No, that was here in the United States. Oh, okay. So it was a full-on American Christmas with, you know, uh, us as adults all staying up late, listening for the kids, wrapping the last packages, hunting all over the house and placing the remaining presents under the tree and the kids um, getting up early. I actually got to... Um, sleep in the room of, of one of the kids. He allowed me to take over his room along with an iguana, I think it was, and, and a hamster. <laughs> yeah. So it was a really, really cool Christmas experience with, you know, tr their traditional foods that they've grown up with. You know, my friend made a traditional dessert that she likes that everybody was laughing about because nobody ate it. I liked it, you know. It's <laughs> Right. Yeah, so I think um, it was a very American family Christmas. And yeah. then there was me, the single person, you know, the, the guest. And they embraced me as part of it. And it's it's at the same time there's this feeling of being heartfelt embraced and being part of it and being conscientious that I am a guest. I don't know their customs. And it's that dance that, you know depending on how I embrace it, can give me either whiplash or can open me to, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> and right, right. Yeah, it, it reminds me of conversations we've had before where, um, where around the topic of there's room for both, right? Where you can take part in her tradition, the American Christmas tradition and and what her family does and really enjoy that and at the same time feel uh, a little bit of sadness that you're not able to live out uh, the memories of your tradition in Germany. Um, and I don't think there is a right or wrong in terms of you holding back and not sharing your tradition and just really taking in uh, the experience that you, that you had as a guest, but still being embraced within that tradition, right? Yeah. And maybe had she asked, hey, Martina, what is your tradition like you could have shared? Um, but maybe not. Like maybe, like again, I, I don't think there's a right or a yeah. wrong here, right? Like it, it it's like, maybe you wanted to keep your tradition as it was kind of neatly packaged and how you remembered it without, I don't know. Well, 
Yeah, and, and you know, I'm, I'm sure we talked about things, you know, because there is curiosity, like, how was that? Did you do that in Germany? Did you do that in Germany? And no, and no, I've never gone caroling. So this is a first. This is awesome, right? So so there, there were things that, that we shared. And I remember distinctly the feeling where, you know, I... I weighed things and kept them inside. And then, you know, yes, and it's my own thoughts that wonder, you know, is this right? Is this wrong? Well, right or wrong, it, it is me, right? <laughs> and, you know, with all that said, I'm actually, personally, don't have a strong Christmas tradition. So, like, I don't decorate my home. Um, to strangers, I just use a funny excuse. I have two cats, so a Christmas tree is out. <laughs> So for their own safety and my sanity, I don't really have Christmas decorations. There's a couple Christmas elements that actually stay out all year round because I like looking at them. But overall, I don't have a big attachment to the holidays. However, I enjoy, you know, like I had uh, dinner last uh, Saturday with a lovely woman who loves Christmas and seeing her joy over Christmas and the beautifully wrapped gift that she gave me warmed my heart. So I delight and, and, and I light up in other people's joy over a holiday, even if it's not my tradition. So, so this is kind of my, my personal view of, of how I look, look at the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm similar. I don't have any real attachment to the holidays. I don't have any traditions Uh, it used to be that uh, when I was younger, I would go visit my family in Chicago. Uh, but then I was wondering, why am I going to Chicago in the winter? So, <laughs> so we started, I started to change up and, and go uh, during other times of the year. And, and although last year, I, I just realized I was looking at pictures and we did this whirlwind trip where we went to Austin uh, for Christmas a couple of days before Christmas Eve. And then, um, and then we were in Chicago for Christmas and then and back in Boston uh, before the new year. I mean, mm -hmm. so we did visit family, but it's, it, it's not like um, we don't do that every year. Right. Um, yeah. I think last year we went just because my, my father was sick and um, my brother just had a baby and um, and our son just had a mm, no, he didn't have the baby yet. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He did. <laughs> I forget what year is year. This year it, it gets sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so. It, What I'm enjoying about this conversation and really why we wanted to bring this up uh, is to uh, from my perspective is to uh, to really open our hearts to understand other people. And even though I may not have a uh, tradition, And um, I may not be missing people during the, this time of year. Uh, there are lots of other people that are. And it's so easy for me to think that what is there to be sad about 
I mean, I don't really think about that actually, but, but it's so easy for me to see life through my lens, through my experience that, that I can forget sometimes about other people's experiences and um, to have you share your experience, Martina, about, you know, your, your Germany Christmas experiences and then your experience with your friend. And then now again, because of pandemic, um, I mentioned this earlier where you're a single woman and how that affects you uh, versus me who has a partner and I see her every day and we get to dance and, you know, hearing different perspectives and experiences, I feel opens up my heart to really embrace uh, other people and their experiences and, and have a better understanding um, and respect for each of us um, so that, I don't know, I, I feel like it makes me a better person to know and understand other people. Yeah, and, and I'm also wondering, I think it also gives a better perspective and appreciation for your own experience, right? Because when other people, like when I shared my experience, it brought up memories of your own. So as you were following my images that I described, your own memories started coming up and you're, you're evaluating, well, how do I feel and think about that? And so we get to actually, just like in Tango, connect from the heart, connect in a deeper way than, you know, when we kept our hearts closed and talk about the surface level, like, yeah, you know, the line at the post office was really long and, you know, I got the packages out too late and I procrastinated on my cards and I actually don't like writing cards, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And, and wow. Um, I didn't even think of this to talk about before, but it's been on my mind where we can get wrapped up in the things that we don't like, like you said, the line at the post office. Or for me, when I think about Christmas, I think of the time it took to decorate the tree and then the time I hated to clean up the tree. Um, and, and that's probably a big reason why I don't decorate trees now because I have that memory as a kid. But the thing that has been in my mind lately is how often we make our lives about achievement of things or the completion of tasks and um, how we miss out on the connection to the moment, to the people, uh, to ourselves. And I had this insight from my recent tango lesson where I, my teacher was trying to help me uh, with musicality and he played this really complex song and I was in my head and I was like, how do I dance to this? I don't even know how to move to this. And, mm -hmm. um, And I realized that I was trying to do the dance and I was feeling disconnected, not only from myself, but from my wife. And one of the things that he helped me with, a couple of things, 
One was that I needed to dance more with my wife. I needed to focus more on her where she was and, and move with her instead of trying to move her. Right. Um, and then the, the second thing was that it was okay to actually do nothing. It was actually okay to pause and um, listen to the music and then see what the music uh, was inviting me to do. And what I was trying to do was like, oh, I f- I'm doubting myself. I'm not sure about this. So let me just try to do something to maybe <laughs> I'll match up with the music. Um, but it it wasn't working. And so by actually pausing, I could feel into like, oh, here's where I can even just walk, right? But walk differently to the music. I think this is a great metaphor for life now during the holidays is uh, permission to pause, that we don't have to keep going Um because sometimes we keep going, like in my case, because it feels uncomfortable to to not to, to pause. And so, you know, when we're feeling discomfort of feeling sadness or loss, sometimes to avoid feeling in the, that discomfort, we stay busy. Yeah. Right. Um, and, th- and then the second thing why we keep going is because social conditioning, cultural conditioning of like, let's go, let's do, I have more to do. And that also doesn't really serve us. Um, By me pausing, I was able to feel what I was feeling and feel how that life was inviting me, right? And and so I, I think that's an opportunity for each of us right now to, um, to give us permission to pause, to, to stop doing anything and see what comes up. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, from a follower's perspective, I can totally relate, you know, from the other side to what you were describing. Because when you actually do respect the pause or, in, uh, or not just respect the pause, but invite the pause, it allows me to also filled some of these pauses with some of these carefully rehearsed and, you know, practiced embellishments, right? Where I get to play. And uh, as a follower, and I'm sure it's similar to a leader, I can feel when you're filling those pauses with thoughts and performance and fears and doubts and, you know, um, or, you know, are more focused on the extension of your leg as you're taking a step than you are on the embrace. And it's like, wait a second, you just walked by me. Why are you dancing with this person back here? I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just not polite to say these things in a milonga, but I've, I've been there. And I'm sure I've been the absent, um, you know, absentee follower as well. And uh, having just recently come back, you know, from dancing with a bar stool in my own home in the ballet bar <laughs> to uh, actually embracing a real life human being because there's one dance teacher who's been you know really cautious and he's done a great job of keeping everybody healthy and safe so we started private lessons again you know 
you step into the embrace, you breathe over each other's shoulders. So it's a pretty safe place to be in, in the dance world is a tango embrace because we are close. Mm -hmm. And it took a good five or six lessons until my embrace was comfortable and alive enough, you know, where I wasn't holding on for dear life, like, don't go away. <laughs> human <laughs> and um, where I needed to redevelop this idea what is it like to move with another human being mm -hmm. and to respond and oh yeah I forgot this arm is mobile and this arm doesn't need to go into T-Rex mood and pull just because he suggests a move that is more complex and so I love the pauses and um I also respect where people feel that they can pause, whether it's in dance, because maybe you don't have the skill or you have something on your mind, or in life, right? It's those moments where you fear, if I stop, then I might notice all these things that are in this steam kettle brewing, and I might just explode or implode. And I think many of us, especially now in the pandemic carry that invisible steam kettle with us where it can disrupt a little easier, right? And so we don't have access to our normal outlets. So we use what in one of my modalities in the grief recovery method we call short-term energy-relieving behaviors, right? We resort to Netflix. We resort, resort to ice cream. We take the edge off with a little bit of alcohol, um, we might shop on Amazon and do all these kind of things, right? Because these connection outlets aren't there. And so, you know, I'm, and I haven't been out in post offices and stores enough to see what's going on, but I wonder sometimes, right? Where is our patience level? Where do we become more righteous or, you know, finally have somebody to let out our anger or some frustration just because the line is a little bit longer or somebody's mask moved and, you know, whatever it might be, you know, I, I wonder about that. So I think this conversation also is an invitation in particular in 2020 to open our hearts even more right, to remind ourselves even more that we may not know the whole story and that we may not know the whole story of the people around us and we may not know the whole story about ourselves because mm -hmm. we've been in lockdown in one way or another. And I bet it has effects that might be in our blind side, might not necessarily be visible to ourselves. So that's kind of what comes to my mind from what you shared. Yeah, and um, what I'm noticing is, as a society, as a, as a culture, um, there's there's tends to be more emphasis emphasis on uh, the doing and the completion and how productive we can be and how fast we can go, and particularly now with the pandemic i mean i feel like it slowed us down and yet i still see some people being very impatient driving um cutting off or honking and i'm like where i mean 
maybe he's late or she is late for something that's very possible but but uh, this is more of an invitation of do we really need to go that fast yeah you know does cutting off a minute or two from uh our commute really save us time you know there's a we went to see trevor noah my wife and i at, at a um one of his um comedy shows here in boston a year or two ago and one of his jokes was this of like do you really need to to be like save so much time uh and cut through all the neighborhoods with ways and um for what so that you can spend a little bit more time on your phone right or you know <laughs> so, so so that you can send out another email i mean you know this is his joke but yeah. but there's truth to it where i catch myself even like oh i need i'm going to take this path on ways because it's one minute faster mm-hmm. right and but for what Right. Uh, okay, I'm going to be there one minute faster. Perhaps, maybe not. And um, you know, an invitation here is: can we slow down a little bit to really connect to ourselves and in the moment to really be with the people that we can be with, uh, rather than getting wrapped up in oh, I need to finish the meal or I need to, you know, do this thing. We're, we've gotten in the habit of prioritizing the completion, the task, the to-dos more than we prioritize the connection. Yeah. Well said. I love that. And it plays right into something that I'm writing for my newsletter because I got this new pet peeve, you know, over the last two or three weeks, I've been bombarded with emails that all tell me I need to finish strong, finish 2020 strong. And I started thinking, what does that even mean? Right. And my first email is probably going to be my second one was all about that. You know, what, what am I finishing strong? Whose finish line is it anyway? Right. Which are my deadlines and which are external? So, you know, there are some deadlines, when I'm talking about, you know, corporate budgets and accounting, yeah, you know, they they are lines that where I need to res- be respectful of other people that I work with in order to focus on those deadlines. But how many of these finish lines are necessary and real? What am I racing for? You know, and so with my trainer this morning, I talked about, yeah, you know, there's a purpose for finishing strong. When he encourages me, oh, come on, you know, you got three more reps in you, finish strong. It makes sense because my purpose for being in the gym with my trainer is to create strength, right? But does that really translate in life? Do I need to finish strong? And then I had this idea, what are we racing to the finish line for? What is the finish line of life? Death, so that I can... Lie around in a casket a little longer. <laughs> I'm, I'm being facetious here. Sure. Or, sure. you know, if I translate the idea, finish strong to the dance floor. Good idea for performance, right? We want to hold that end pose and have a mesmerizing crescendo ending that brings the audience to their feet going, yay, awesome. 
But in a social dance, if you're dancing with Olga and all you're focused on is you want to finish strong. I mean, gee. <laughs> yeah, right. There's definitely Ran a time over. and yeah, there's definitely a time <laughs> and place for it. And I think what we do is yeah. we we forget that there's a time and place for it. We for, we we think that that's the only way to be. Yeah, and look at the cost, right? Connection heart-centered conversation, depth, uh, love, joy, elegance, right? You can't finish strong elegantly. I haven't seen that yet. And yeah. it's overwhelm and frazzledness and monkey minds, right? And this continuous drive that fuels annoyance. Oh, the grocery store has a line. You know, I can't get things done. I have more things to do. <laughs> 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 And so, yet, you know, there, there are these moments like um, on Wednesday, I, I ran to the grocery store to get some ice cream real quick for, for my little bachelorette party I was throwing here at home. So I was in a hurry because she was driving up and I wanted to make sure I'm, I'm there. And I had this lovely uh, conversation with a lady in, in the ice cream aisle and I paused and I really got to see her and I really felt seen by her. We had a, we shared a moment with masks and with, with, uh, with our shopping carts. And, you know, that added to my day. I literally told her, you made my day. You know, she saw my red hair and said, oh my God, I had hair like this. And now it's white. I said, I love your white. It looks beautiful. And so we shared this entire moment. And mm. you know what? That's a moment that I'm going to think of every single time I go into that ice cream section at Harris Teeter. That lady is going to be there, you know? And so I'm so grateful and so happy that I paused for that, that I did not let this rush for, you know, getting back to the house to beat my friend there to make sure that, you know, I was waiting there with the ice cream. And so I had time for that, and I love that. Ah, beautiful. Oh, so I think you have, a, you have a beautiful tool that you mentioned about how we can actually practice and learn these things, right? Yeah, um, this, is a, this is a tool to help us become more aware of what we're feeling and, um, and to shifts the focus to to more of how we want to feel mm -hmm. um, but the first step is really to to become more aware right so um, it's a four four step process uh, the acronym is aces a c e s and the first step a is to acknowledge and to accept so um, what that might look like is if you're running around and feeling stressed and at some point you come to and you realize, oh, okay, I'm feeling stressed to just take a moment to, to pause and acknowledge that, hey, I'm feeling stressed and it's okay that I'm feeling stressed. Because sometimes we judge that we're feeling stressed and that just adds to the stress, right? And we can be even more specific, meaning like, if you're feeling worried or you're feeling anxious or you're feeling angry, 
taking a moment to acknowledge it gets it out of your head and um and if you can write it out it's even better because it, it's you're you're focusing on the present moment so writing it out that yes i feel angry in this moment and it's okay that i feel angry mm. right and and almost immediately if if you're energetically sensitive you can feel that there's a settling a calming of um of your mind uh the next step is c for clarify and clarify is um how is it that I want to feel right now? Meaning what's just a little bit better than how I'm feeling. So if you acknowledge that you were feeling angry, maybe the next step that you want to feel is relief or um, a little bit peaceful or, or a little bit calm or even just a little less angry, right? Um, don't shoot for the moon here. Like don't go from anger to bliss because that's just going to be unreachable for you. Just yeah. go for a little bit better. Yeah. And then I have another reason to, to judge myself for doing it. Right. Wrong. Right. And then <laughs> E. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then E is for experience. So you're, you're pausing just a little bit more to, breathe in how you want to feel, right? So if you want to feel um, relief, you breathe in, okay, what does relief feel like in this moment? And breathe that in. Or I want to feel at peace. What does peace feel like? And we can do it right now. Like imagine what is feeling peaceful feel like and breathe that in, breathe in what you think the energy of peace is. And then breathe out. And then one more time, breathe in. And breathe out. For some people, this may be all you need. But if yeah, you I want... Felt, I literally felt some tension melt from my neck and my shoulders as we were doing that. Ah, wonderful, Martina. <laughs> I felt it too. I felt like, oh, I was yeah. holding on to something there. And I wasn't I even angry going into yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, you're all right. It's just like you're holding on to tension. Yeah. And that could be I an acknowledgement. Yeah. So the last step, should you feel inspired for it, is S for support. And here's where you can ask yourself, well, what support do I need right now? Or how can I support myself right now? And just be open to uh, what you receive. Maybe the support for yourself might be to take a nap, uh, take a walk, uh, or to actually do that thing that you were avoiding, right? Mm -hmm. um, or... The support could be, who can I ask for help here that I think that I shouldn't be asking, right? So the, this step is an opportunity to really tune in, to see what you need and see how you can get support for what you need. Hmm. So let me see if I uh, heard you. 
So the acronym is ACES, like the ACE that you have up your sleeve or the ACES? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So first, you acknowledge how you feel and ideally name it so that yeah. you know what you're dealing with. And then once I know that, I, I thought it was really important that you encouraged me to say, make it okay to feel angry or anxious or worried. I like that. That, that felt good. And then you said, once I've named that, I go to the next C, clarify, in a sense of, you know, how would I, how would I love to feel right now? And make it something that's reachable so that I can actually attain this and take that one step in that direction. And then allow myself to experience that. I like that. You know, that tension melter that we practiced just now. And I like that addition of, of what support, and I'm glad that you modeled that, because when I first heard that, I thought, what would that, what, what does he mean, you know, what do, what do I do? And it reminds me that sometimes we don't, that's a step so easily missed, right, that it's okay to support ourselves or to just even realize I need some support here. Yeah. That's a beautiful, thank you for reflecting that back, Martino. Um, awesome. I want to add one more thing, which is sometimes the support is to go back and do the three steps or four steps again, right? Because if you went from anger to a little bit of relief, if you came back around, you might say, well, I'm feeling a little bit of relief and I want to feel a little bit more peace, right? So you can cycle through this as many times as you like and keep on uh, raising uh, the level or the feeling, you know, keep on reaching another level of relief each time you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I could see, for example, if you're in an uncomfortable Zoom meeting, you know, you turn your camera off for a moment and just step out to the bathroom and go through these four steps. Put yourself, you know, into a different kind of internal state or feeling tone before you go back into the meeting and be more productive, right? Or in the holidays, you know, when and B is acting up again and your internal eyes are rolling and you just want to mm, punch her. <laughs> I think there's a lot of application for that. Or at that, you know, line in the post office. So, so great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. You're so, so I'm welcome. Curious now, I'm curious now, too, for those who are listening, you know, how are you applying these things? And what are some some of the big takeaways from the conversation today, because we covered quite some ground about holidays and how does it move you and where, you know, are you now keeping your heart a little more open, no matter how open it was coming into this conversation? Yeah. Um, so we'd love to hear your thoughts, your insights. Please share them on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the number two, and then the word two, as in T-O, and then Tango Conversations. Uh, it will be in our show notes. Um, if you're listening to us now on one of the other audio podcast platforms, and um, we thank you so much for taking your time and listening to us. And have a beautiful dance through the holidays. So thank you for sharing this dance with us. And remember, 
it does take two to tango and to create conversations that truly move us from the heart. So until next time, have a happy holiday season. This is Martina. And I'm Nat. And we're two life coaches on a mission to make the world a better dance floor. Bye for now. Bye-bye.